Marco Royce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hoogstown for Anthony Modest. Royce. Not a bad idea. Welcome back to the BVB Podcast. My name's Jake, joined as always by Carver. Uh, Carver, I'll ask you how you're doing in a second. But first, got to introduce our special guest for the night, Adam, who we talk about a lot. He's been on the show a few times. You probably know who he is. Uh, it's always great to have Adam. Adam, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I am doing very well lately, I have to say. You know, last time I was on, it was after uh, the draw against Schalke. This is much better circumstances to come on. So um, there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And thanks for asking me. Yeah. I mean, we we always say it. We need you on here more than we get you on here. And I think that's a matter of us, us just needing to ask more. Uh, but we're really excited to have you back, Carver. It's been a good week. It was a good weekend. How are you doing? Yeah, not much to add. I said last week that I wouldn't get too excited unless Leipzig pull off the impossible and we beat Augsburg. And here we are. So it's hard not to really, you know, really get excited. But we still got one more week. I had a a busy day Saturday. Busy day. I had a busy weekend. I'll just say that because I did watch this game a bit late. Uh, but also the Leipzig Bayern result. I didn't see that till later because. Um, I I knew I couldn't watch it live. I knew I probably wasn't going to go back and watch it, but I kind of I was so busy with the day. I kind of just forgot and then I checked it in the evening. I remember where I was, but I remember walking and just pulling up the Bundesliga app and seeing the score and just being like holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. Couldn't believe it. Like it so it was so and I said it audibly wherever I was walking, not in a, I don't think I was in a public place. I might have been walking my dog, but it was just like losing my mind. Uh, it was it was so good. So I mean, if you guys watched that game and want to talk about that, we, we can. I know Adam, you went all out Leipzig uh, before the match. <laughs> oh yes, lifelong Leipzig fan over here. Uh, always loved them um, since I was born. You know, uh, like that, eleven that, years ago. Yeah, that long, ago. long history. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I started watching the game. I despise watching Bayern or Leipzig games in general. So putting it on, I was just like, look and just trying to get through it and then Byron scored and that's when I was like I can't do this I can't watch them ruin my Saturday when I actually don't have Dortmund to watch so I turned it off and I you know just kind of looked at the score every once in a while still one nothing still one then I was like oh it's one one that won't hold Byron will come back and then it was two to one and then like I was like, all right, there's only a few minutes left. It's two to one. I'm going to watch the end here. I, I pulled it up. And just as I was pulling it up, I thought I was watching the two to one, like on delay or something. But no, it was the three to one. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. They really this this is the end now. It's it's they're not going to come back from this. So I was I was uh pleasantly surprised. And you know, so many 
former Dortmund coaches have had to come through for us in the last couple of weeks. Rosa had to win. Tuchel had to lose. Enrico Massen had to lose. Uh, gosh, there's one more. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting here. It, it was it, like all these second team coaches too, just joining together to help us get to this point where we have one more match to go. I, we're, I mean, we're not going to just talk Leipzig and Bayern, but I, we had joked about this before, like Tuchel, the Tuchel sabotage. <laughs> and Carver, if you have anything to add about this match, but more specifically, like all these stars, these Dortmund stars aligning, like is this, it, like it's it's meant to happen. I didn't even think about the Rosa and Tuchel thing like before this match, but like, yeah, you're right. It's like it, and Daniel Farker uh, for Gladbach last week. That's why I was forgetting the, the second team coach. And then Mawson, the second team coach, uh, who's now with Augsburg. So it was, it, the whole thing was like former Dortmund alumni was, was you know, conniving to get this uh, this uh, match to where it was going to be this, this huge last day event. It's amazing. Carver, anything to add? I can't say I do. No, it's like you said, it, the fate just keeps falling back in our hands somehow. Uh, I mean, I, I keep telling, saying this almost every week now, but back in November, if you would have told me after we lost to Gladbach, and we did the review, all three of us together, now I'm thinking about it, during the World Cup break, yeah, we went over the results of our survey asking, like, where do you guys think we're going to finish? And one of the options was cries in Europa League anthem. And a good amount of people voted for that. And I think all of us said either somehow we pull off fourth, maybe third if we're optimistic. And yeah, <laughs> one week away. That's what I was saying. Like when, when we just started, like the last two times I've been on were like at the end of the first half of the season where we had just lost to Wolfsburg and, and Gladbach back to back. So we were really down. And then like, I didn't come on during the whole winning streak. And then I finally came on de- after the Schalke draw. And I was like, I missed all the good stuff, but now I'm finally here for, uh, for a, a good one. <laughs> and again, our bad, we should add you. <laughs> Um, but and I know obviously we're we're super excited and I know uh, a few weeks ago Carver was like I can't be optimistic until 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 and we've hit this I think we've hit the until uh, but it's not done yet like we still got work to do um, like nothing is guaranteed because say I mean we'll talk about it later but like we got to win if we draw like a draw is not good enough a draw and Byron wins uh, and I mean that's it I don't want to talk about that I, I'm still confidence and i'm i have a lot of confidence and i'm very excited and very optimistic uh but before we get there before we get next week before we're popping champagne with roman berkey at amsterdam tavern in st louis um <laughs> let's let's talk about this match over the weekend against augsburg which is why we're here carver's on delay just got the joke just caught up to him <laughs> but yeah so uh i don't know where do you guys want to start with this i guess start the lineup that's where there we, we start that's where we usually start we're getting way too ahead of ourselves. I forgot how to do a podcast. We'll start with the lineup. Carver, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, only one change in personnel from the previous two games at home, which was Rafa sliding into the midfield for Jude, who was unavailable, uh, who looks like he's been nursing or tweaked to either or probably both his knee and shoulder for the majority of the season, it looks like. If you see, you know, he's got like that looks like the big patches of tape and everything. So it just looks like it finally caught up to him, unfortunately. And we all know how extremely vital Jude is to this team, not only on but off the ball, and how hard it is for, a, uh, for to fill that hole of his whenever he is absent. So it just added to the pressure of this game and the significance of this game. And we go with the 4-1, 4-1, tweaking our shape a bit, and uh, yes, letting Rafa into the midfield to be a dual eight with Brent. Other than that, same lineup as these last few games. 
Adam, you got anything? Uh, we I know Geo has been a topic discussion. Obviously, we've seen Rafa slide into this like midfield. Not not a topic of discussion, but kind of like uh, I was going to say, no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't been a topic at all. <laughs> no, it, exactly. That that's I guess my topic is obviously um, Gio hasn't like we've seen Rafa slide in this position, right. so it's not really a surprise. We we saw Gio a little bit later, uh, but it seemed like this might have been an opportunity for him. But obviously, Rafa uh, slides in there, and we we can't complain because like got the job done. We won the match. It was a, a struggle at first, especially they they go down a man in the thirty eighth minute. Uh, did anything stick out from the the first half? Like we we kind of dominated the stats and everything, but from first half, like just frustrating that we couldn't get anything in, especially going up a, a man in the 38th minute. I mean, at at halftime, I tweeted the XG differential just with the caption "nightmare fuel." Like if we were going to lose points, you could guess how it was going to happen. It was going to be tons and tons of chances without any end product. And that's exactly what we had at halftime. It was like 2.47 to 0.02 or something like that at halftime. And that was just, it's like, no, we can't, we can't let it slip with another match like this that we've seen over and over again on the road, you know, 14th or below team and just not being able to finish. And, you know, we got Kubek who is having this like great, I'm, I'm so tired of these goalkeepers coming out of nowhere to have great matches against Borussia Dortmund. And we see it over and over again. And I was not thrilled <laughs> going into halftime, seeing that that had played out. Uh, I had been pretty confident before the match because, you know, as much as I love Jude, I think that Rafa f- swapping in there, uh, not only Rafa swapping in, but get the defensive stability of having Rierson and Wolf as the fullbacks, I thought was going to be a benefit. And uh, I, I think that it, it played out that way in the match. But man, at halftime, I was a nervous wreck just because I was like, we're creating the chances, which should be uh, a cause for optimism. But we've seen this so many times that I'm not optimistic. Yeah, not to mention only that, but also with the red card, we've seen this again with Stuttgart just a few weeks back, and it's it's an unfortunate truth, but them going down a man almost didn't benefit us too much because they were bunkering down either way. After the sending off, I think they switched to a 5-3-1 and played. They were already playing pretty narrow, but now they're just going full, you know, fledged through the middle and, and not letting anything go by them. And uh, yeah, we had four big chances that half, 17 shots. Granted, a lot of them were... Uh, blocked but i mean four of them were on target 10 of them were in the box and like you mentioned the xg was through the roof so yeah very frustrating very annoying uh that and the the team stayed positive though i mean i liked how you know they were remaining patient and they weren't forcing a bunch at least in that first half and, and stayed confident in themselves uh so i mean there was some positive at least from that first half but now yeah now you only got less than an hour to produce something here so i think all of us were starting to sweat a little bit yeah, there was like there was patience and aggression. I, I, I noticed like on free kicks, like every time we'd get a whistle, there was like multiple times that we tried to take it before the referee was ready and uh, you know, just called it back. And it, it just stood out to me as like they really just want to keep going at this and, and, and make sure we get as many uh, as many seconds to work with as possible. So I'm going to throw it back to you guys, though, the red card. I think by the book, it was a red card. It was the last man. But the first thing I thought of when. Uh, the referee was in that situation was, oh my God, I don't want to be hearing from Dortmund fans all week long if I get this wrong. 
like that had to be going through his head. Like we just had the Boca match where the referee blew it and, you know, heard about it for, for weeks. Uh, this had to be going through his head and I'm glad they made the right call. I, you know, it was a harsh call, but I think it was probably the right one. What do you think? When I only saw it once live and I should have went back and seen, I guess that foul a bit more, but initially it was only just called for a foul. It wasn't even, not only a red card, but it was, it was not even a card in general. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know if they pulled it back to VAR. I wasn't sure because I was kind of sitting there like with my head on a swivel with the people around me going like, what, you, what is going on? And then when they finally gave the red card, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense because at the very least, it should have been a yellow. It's one of those like almost orange challenges. But yeah, like you said, it is by the book. Yeah, I, I noticed he didn't make the call right away, but I don't know if it, I think if there was any VAR intervention, it was just he was waiting to assign the card until he said, was that the last man? Because I think there was going to be a card coming either way, but it was just a matter of what color it was going to be. And I think he just wanted confirmation that it was uh, the last man. But yeah. yeah, just like you said, you know, it, as soon as that happened too, I turned to my son and said, well, they're playing for the the nil-nil now. Like they, they are not going to throw anything forward. And that's exactly what happened. I, I don't want to sit here as like the Dortmund fan and be like, oh, of course it was a red card. I think when, if you get down to the real like technical law of the, the, uh, laws and the rules or whatever like i think it's almost one of those like var decisions that you see in the premier league that are like hyper close it's like you'd have to break it down that close to really see uh my only thing is like when he received the ball it's like he was almost just in between two players he wasn't quite past him yet it's like when did you could maybe break down like when did the foul start yeah he was breaking away and got pulled back like that's my only thing where like i wouldn't have been surprised if they didn't give a red because he it wasn't he was kind of in between the players I think when he started and it wasn't like a clear breakaway yet when you consider when you know how fast he is then yeah and when you see what could have happened yeah I'm glad we got the red card but I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like only a yellow or just a foul too it's kind of a confusing situation but more than happy that we got it although a little panicky that yeah we've seen a red card before and it <laughs> didn't go our way right. Um, but moving on, uh, I mean, obviously you said didn't get anything in the first half um, and kind of frustrating. But like I think we've talked about it a lot recently, but just kind of a shift in attitude, a shift in confidence. Um, like we we had those frustrating games and it's it's only been a couple weeks, but I think those back to back home games helped. I've said a lot, but to have those to get that confidence from the back to back home games where we're, we're scoring a lot Um and getting past those frustrating moments. Like we've had enough of those frustrating moments and it's good to see that the the players have realized that and realized like what they need to do and have this confidence to like keep grinding and keep pushing and not really get down on themselves. It, it took all like 36, how long? What match day is it? I know we're almost done. Like what, how it took the entire season to maybe get to this mentality. Um, and we've seen glimpses here and there and then it gets like shattered, but it, it seems like we've got it um, and it's good to see it like them pursue, have the confidence and eventually press on and, and score in the second half. Yeah. Terzik stuck by his men in the second half didn't make any changes. And just before the hour mark is whenever we open our scoring, which those like five minutes or so, I was like, okay, we should probably see a change in scenery here. I mean, it's just, we've been playing for an hour and, and nothing's happening and now it's coming down to the wire, but the man himself, uh, Hilaire, Comes out. I mean, whenever he missed his first chance earlier in the first half, a friend of mine next to me was like, ain't no way he's missing another chance. He's a man on a mission after that. You saw it in his eyes, too. 
uh, and just showing up big in a big moment there uh, with the mo- coming cross coming in from Malin. Uh, it was a bit too much to handle for the Augsburg defender, and Hilaire has the initiative and, and striker's instinct to pounce on that immediately, put a touch, good touch in front of him, and just what about that finish? I mean, that was sweet as a nut. You look at like almost any angle there, and how he managed to pull that off perfectly is just is incredible. Yeah, that that one just came out of nowhere for me. Like it felt like chance after chance after chance, and then he just created that from essentially nothing. Um, you know, just a heavy touch, and he pounced on it, and before we knew it, and I just yelled so loudly that my dogs were not thrilled about it, and just couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah, it, that one had. It was an XG of 0.24, but a uh, post-shot XG of 0.96, which like what that says is that does not often get put on target, but when it does, it's absolutely going to be a goal. And it just, I think that describes that, that chance. Well, uh, he just, you know, pulled something from nothing. Um, Adam, I want to hear you just talk about Haller and what you've seen maybe over the last month, because it has been a while since we we've, talk to you Carver and I've talked about it over the last few or last week especially a couple weeks that's like we're obviously it was going to take him a while to get in form and now we're seeing it now we're seeing these like striker moments like the type of player he is uh who who can like poach goals who can like hold up play like and we're, we're really seeing the striker that he's been throughout his career but now we're seeing it at Dortmund like getting this like being in the right moment to score that and that I mean the finish like you said was just ridiculous to put it in that just right off the post, right in the corner over there, uh, across the keeper, across the face of like the six. And then, uh, I mean, the, the second goal too, which we'll uh, get into, but just to like being in the right spot. And we're seeing him have these moments uh, and really like breaking a form in fitness and everything. This, yeah. Uh, so Heller will be part of this answer. Like, I'm just thinking about next season because this was a road match, which we struggle with. This is a road match without Jude Bellingham, who we're probably not going to have next year. And I'm so excited about this front three of Hilaire, Malin, and Adiemi for a full season next year. And I'm thinking, you know, how, how many goals could these three produce? Like Hilaire is just on fire right now. Nobody in the in the Bundesliga is scoring as much as he is. The only player close is Malin, I think. And it's it's been so inspiring to see him. You know, everybody knows a story. I'm not going to rehash the, the story. He started slow. He's gotten the benefit of the doubt from the entire fan base, and he deserves that for, for what he's gone through. But now he's he's exactly like what we hoped we were getting from like day one. If none of this had ever happened, like he's he's playing like he's in peak form. I don't know if he's 100 percent back to health yet, but he's certainly playing like it. So it makes you wonder, like, if we have a full year of him at his, you know, top performance next year, are we looking at like a 20 and 10 season, like 20 goals and 10 assists? Like, and him working with Malin, like, is Malin going to be good for like 15 and eight or something like that? And what's Adiemi going to get? Like, I'm thinking back to, and I'm going to bring it over to Malin now. We talked a lot about like, you know, he came in after uh, Sancho left. He's never going to be a Sancho replacement, but when I was looking at him the last couple of matches, like he's a Sancho replacement. He's playing like Jaden Sancho was. He's bringing like I Sancho is the one player like I thought we would never replace. But uh, 
he's playing like Sancho and, and I can't believe that. And Sancho was, you know, a 15 and 15 type guy uh, with goals and assists uh, at his peak here. I'm so excited about like the, the creativity from these three and the, the goal scoring possibilities. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what they do next year. Even if Bellingham does move on, I think that this was like the little bit of confidence that I needed. Like we will survive life without Jude Bellingham. It'll be okay. Hopefully we can keep Rafa too. If not, you know, we'll figure out what to do from there. But Haller just has me so excited for like a full season next year without any of these setbacks. Yeah, this front three is really exciting. We talked about uh, them actually last week and just how exciting and lethal of an attack we have. And, you know, we got to get some reinforcements in the middle of the park this summer, but then we're really hitting the ground running come this fall. And uh, this was talked about by uh, Manuel and Stefan on the Gig and Pressing podcast the other day, but they, they were talking about, you know, if this never happened to Sebastian Haller in the fall and just seeing how much he's transformed this team in just the last few months. And if we had him for a full season already, I mean, what could have happened? We, the title race may have been over already, which I think is is very valid. I mean, with just the, the stumbles that Bayern have had this season, or this, excuse me, this second half of the season, and not only the trajectory from us, but if you go back, I mean, again, the game against Bremen, you can go at a handful of other games that fall where we just desperately needed a striker. And we never had one, really. I mean, Modest wasn't the answer for that or those sort of games, and, and Mukoko was still trying to find his feet as well. But man, I mean, Haller is, he has arrived. This trio scored zero goals in the first, like before the, the World Cup break. And it makes you wonder, like, who the hell was scoring? Like, I know Brandt had a few. I, I assume that Royce must have had a couple in there. Mukoko had a few. Um, but yeah, I, it, it really shows like why the goal difference is so so stark uh, between like before and after the break. I, I listened to what you guys were saying. Like, is this, are they just playing out of their minds right now? Or is this what we can expect? It almost seems like it's been sustained long enough that it makes me hopeful that this is like the level we can expect. I hope so. <laughs> yeah um and and just to the note of like i like our obviously the first half like i know i think you can look at Bayern specifically like as a like if you're like a bundesliga outsider like maybe you don't know who would be listening to this podcast as a bundesliga outsider but i know like i know there's gonna be some people or like uh some doubters saying like Bayern has been playing well Dortmund, Dortmund like just won the title because Bayern's been slipping up. But it's like we've both slipped up. Like both teams have slipped up. So it seems like a pretty fair race to the title. You know what I mean? And and imagine if like I think that's what you have to look at. Like the form we're in now and the potential for next season when you you, you look at like Haller and like the health situation. Like there's there's a big reason we didn't have this in the first half of the season. It's because Haller wasn't available. So like if this is if they're shooting and ready to go next season, given like, let's say Byron is better off and they probably will be, they'll probably get some things figured out next season. Like I, I still think like I'm still putting us up there with it, like with them. And I, it should be another like great season next year. Like we've both stumbled. Like I just don't, I don't know. I know there's going to be these doubters out there no matter what happens, but I think it's still like a fair race given the, the, the mishaps on, on both sides. It's pure ignorance, anyone who spews things like that. Um, of course, we could have been a hell of a lot more clinical in games like Shootgard, 
Bochum, I mean, going back to Schalke as well. But this team has also only lost one Bundesliga game this calendar year. So it's not just about Bayern stumbling. This team has been on a clear trajectory of, mind you, again, 10 wins in a row in a few months and still continuing to bring that momentum going forward. And Bayern are, I mean, they're just desperate for goals right now as well. They're almost, it's almost kind of like a flip-flop of uh, the fall when they had Chupo Moteng and they had a nine. I mean, they do not have a striker at the moment and they, uh, they're not finding it in Mane. That whole fan base seems very uh, negative about him. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, both had stumbling moments, but I don't think it, it's, it's hell of a lot more of our form than uh, simply just Bayern not doing that well. I mean, that's an insane amount of wins this season or this calendar season alone. So when when we were getting seventy eight points or seventy six points in second place, were these same people saying, you know, well, Dortmund should also win the title. It's just that Bayern has more points. You know, it, 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 that's not how it works. If, if both teams are doing great, only one can win. If both teams are stumbling, only one can win. And this season, it's. Right at this point, it happens to be us, and I hope that we can uh, uh, make that last for one more uh, one more week. Like I don't, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast—that's what I have to remember. Like, is right. really going to be one of those people. It just feels good to say and pretend like I'm <laughs> venting at, at people. So I appreciate I appreciate you two, and I appreciate everyone listening uh, for letting me vent and, and get that out there. Because I just want to like give encouragement to other people who are, like are dealing with Twitter trolls and all that crap. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> But moving on, I, I did want to ask a little bit about Mullen. This was probably one of his down games recently. I mean, we didn't see him score. So obviously we're like, what the heck, Mullen? What are you doing? Uh, and even though it wasn't all great, he still played a role in some of the big moments. Obviously, he got the red card, right? Like he could have broke away and, and scored there. Um, and then the first goal, it was a, a bad cross right to the defender. But he put enough sizzle on it that the guy couldn't control it and Holler put it away. So give that man an assist. Uh, he did help with the second goal where he uh, had that sweet move, uh, kind of like a little bit to the outside and dished it off to Royce who had that great run. Uh, probably should have scored, but good save. Um, and then Holler was there to put it away. But I mean, we can talk about the second goal, but also was going to get your guys' take on, on Mullen. But I think my take real quick though, before I let you guys talk, is... <laughs> Is that even when he has a down game, or like even when we see dips from other guys with Holler firing and with all these options, it's like like that's what we should be getting out of this team. It's like when someone dips, we still can be, uh, we can still get by, we can still score goals, we can still win. Which what is not what we had the first half half of the season. I still thought he was great. I. You know, he he didn't get an assist or a goal, but didn't he have the through ball to Royce on that second goal? Was that, that was him, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so that that pass had me like up and yelling, uh, mostly because I had just told my son, "Just all we're missing now is a Royce goal," and I thought that it was coming there. But uh, but we get the second best thing. We get a Heller brace. Um, I mean, he had his four shots, but none were on target. I know that usually his thing is like he rips them, but right at the the goalkeeper. He let Brandt play that role this game, I guess, because <laughs> Brandt had five shots all on target. Um, but, you know, I, he just still does so much. Like, he was playing uh, more shallow. I mean, like you said, he he won the not, – not the penalty, but won, he drew the red card. Um, I don't know. He's just a menace to deal with. These three guys are just all over the place, and it gives defenders fits, even when there's, you know, nine of them trying to, <laughs> trying to keep track of them. 
Yeah, not too much to add. I mean, he just loves playing off Hilaire, and so does Edeyemi. It, it just the confidence that Hilaire gives to both of them, and that just goes to show you the presence from um, Hilaire. And, and I'm not trying to shift it back to him, but yeah, I mean, Malin was involved in both of those two goals. Uh, the first two goals, it wasn't assists, but it was damn near close to it. And I, yeah, I thought I thought Royce was going to finish that. I, I've said it before, but the man is... For years, he's been so consistently inconsistent with how he finishes his chances. I mean, if you go back to like a random game off the top of my head in the 18-19 season when we last beat Byron at home and just the ridiculous angle he had on a half volley getting like his hip around it to get it to the bottom left corner. He's insane shots. But then whenever he's one-on-one with the keeper and the keeper knows exactly where he's going to go, he's still going to pass it right at him. And it's like, man, you feel like with a man of his experience and of course his uh, his calm and collectiveness inside, or his composure inside of opponents' boxes, and you expect him to finish it. But Hilaire is a pickup there to, to pick up the scraps, and uh, again, just shows you he's always at the right place in the right time. I don't exactly know what to make of on-off numbers for soccer. They they only seem to be valuable when the player has missed a significant amount of time and also has played a significant amount of time. So you have two decently sized samples, but Hilaire's numbers, like when he's on the pitch, they've scored 43 times. They've only conceded 12 times, which is just a, a ridiculous, you know, he's plus 31 and per 90, his plus minus is 2.46. So per 90 minutes, they're scoring two and a half goals more than they're conceding when he's on the pitch, which is just amazing. And the on off numbers for that, meaning like, how does that compare to players who are in his place when he's on the pitch, their plus minus is over two goals better than when he's off the pitch. So it's just a, an unbelievable impact that he's having. These numbers are astronomical. It's, it's so cool. Uh, I was going to, unless you guys had anything else to add in this stretch before the, the final goal, um, I was going to ask about Hummels. I didn't see anything. Uh, update did like do we know he looked terrible when he was walking off the pitch and obviously you saw his eye uh, but like did he officially get a concussion do we know that do we have a confirmation do you know the only thing we know is that he loves taking pictures of it <laughs> he's been <laughs> i think he's fine i think he's gonna play like when he got off the the plane or uh, or the bus or whatever they took back he was taking pictures with fans showing off his eye he's been taking them at home i i don't think there's a concussion there i think he just got a boot in the eye and i think he's gonna be okay i think he's he's really proud of it he posted pictures and said worth it so he he just uh seems like he's really upbeat about it and pumped for next week yeah, you think if there was bad news, they would have stopped him from being so happy about it, and they would have <laughs> given us that that info. Uh, and then on that though, I guess I know we got the question last week about Hummels and Sule. Is like, is that what we roll with? Because I was just going to talk about. It. I know it was literally a few minutes uh, that we saw Schlotterback come on, and maybe that answers the question uh, that if he plays, it will be a limited role, limited minutes. But we saw him for a few minutes, and we he made a great defensive play in the attacking half and got an assist out of it. So that was just positive to see right there. Can he go a full 90 minutes? Like, basically, are we going to see him start next week, this like this weekend? I don't know what day it is. Uh, are we going to see him start, or is it, are we going to stick with Hummels and, and Sule, which we've been rolling with the next, uh, or the, the last few weeks? I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I still go with the same back line if Hummels is 100% good to go. Adam, you hit on a little bit earlier. Uh, Jude 
leaving. That's something Carver and I did a really short episode last week, and we did not hit on any of the one, the Jude injury news and the Jude summer news. Uh, like right after we recorded, I got on Twitter for the first time in a while. I was like, oh, Jude's out next week. And we did not talk about it at all. <laughs> and we could have because we recorded late. But uh, I've asked Carver multiple times. So, Adam, I will ask you um, if Jude goes Rafa stays is that a midfield answer are we still bringing more people in to fill that role like what are your hopes or dreams where do you stand uh i i think rafa is would be a great stopgap i think he's a known quantity knows how to play in this system he's had success in the role he's not obviously not a long-term option that's what we'd like to typically bring in as a young player to to uh you know, fill that role. But what keeping Rafa would allow us to do is not rush it and, and, you know, find just the best player we can find this season. You know, we could, you know, give it a couple seasons to see who that long-term replacement will be. So I hope Rafa stays, uh, which is a, a pretty big change from where I was sitting earlier in the season. I was kind of like, well, He's going to walk. Well, I, yeah, I think on the, on the show, I, I talked about how he was going to walk away for free. And that was, kind of a disaster because he's too talented of a player to have him go away for free, but he does have suitors and it's going to be tough to keep him. Uh, but I hope that he appreciates the comfort and I think he'll be excited about playing more midfield. Um, you know, we got to consider too, he's a little bit more injury prone than Bellingham. Bellingham plays a lot of minutes. It's not going to be just Guerrero that fills that role. Um, I know there's this player that we're talking about getting from from Ajax that Haller has been playing agent trying to get him in as well. I forget his name at this moment. Um, it sounds like he's yeah, it sounds like he's more of a number six though, um, more so than than an eight. Um, I think there's an opportunity for Brant possibly to drop a little deeper into the eight role and maybe Reyna or Bino Gittens get a little bit of time. Um, we have options. I think that's that's pretty good. Um, but you know, bringing in a younger player with Rafa would allow us to to diversify uh, a little bit there. Carver, anything to add? Or are you uh, holding off on the midfield talk? I'm holding off. <laughs> All right. Well, we can uh, move on. Um, of course, uh, championship Saturday, whatever you want to call it, uh, Mainz, nine thirty Eastern time. Uh, we are sitting at 70 points. Bayern sitting at 68 points. So say like win, win, and it's ours. It's in our hands again. Um, we're at home. I don't see us losing, but I mean that's that's how I'm feeling. Do we want to? We are going to talk. Adams with us, so of course we're going to talk the Dortmund women's team. Uh, but a quick preview, and I mean, do you guys want to jump right into predictions? You want to talk minds at all? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at our recent form against Mines and. We've actually done quite well, won the last four matches. So we've gotten the, both home and away wins in there. They, they all seem to be a, a little bit on the closer side. Um, but thinking about our last two home wins and thinking about what this match means and thinking about what this mentality of this team looks like lately, I'm calling a 4-0. I love that. And... I'm going to come back because I, I feel confident as well. But, you know, despite a recent spell of bad form uh, this past month from Mainz, they also went on an undefeated run from mid-February until the very end of April in the league. Some of those games beating Leverkusen away, Leipzig away, 
and they beat Bayern at home. And those the last two games we've had at Mainz, uh, we're both 1-0 if I'm not wrong. Yeah, this one obviously with the late winner from Reyna, that was a very nervy game. And then same thing last year uh, with Chan. Like Jake, we always make the jokes about him somehow getting a clean sheet with the, the other three around him. But, I mean, yeah, we're at home. Just the stakes of everything and, like you said, the mentality. We've, we've seen for weeks and weeks now from uh, the players, the coaching staff, from the, the media and the team that they know what's at stake. They know the enormous opportunity is, is in reaching distance now. And whether you started being a supporter this season or a few years ago, uh, or even hell, plenty of people probably listening longer than us, uh, just you know, cherish this moment. And the players know it's, it's, it's do or die. And we get to see if um, you know, they can pull it off. And I feel, I feel good as well. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go the four nil as well, actually. Woo. A note on mine's form right now. It's, it's amazing to look at their form. They've lost four in a row, which now that they have nothing to play for, they're just dropping games left and right in their last yeah. 10 matches. They've won twice. And that's a three nil against Leipzig and a three one against Bayern. Like so random. I love it. <laughs> um, do we, the real question is what, Dortmund's secret agent, former player, or staff is at mm. Mainz. Um, if there's none there, we do have secret a- agent Tigus at Colm, who Byron plays this right. weekend. So let's get a Colm, or let's get a Tigus hat trick would also do the trick. Like, that's all we need, really. I don't think it'll be a Tigus hat trick because I'm going 1 1 in that match. I think we actually uh, end up with a little bit of a, a cushion. I think Byron is just, pfft, they're just like, this, we're out. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, w- I did not give a score prediction, so I will go. I'm just going to be different, and I'm going to say 3 Could be oh, another yeah. 6, though. Could be another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I've what you guys said, I, I like the our, our form, our confidence lately, how we play at home, like everything, like the, the moment I think we're going to be up for it. Mine's has nothing to play for like we kind of saw we saw not kind of we did see how glad glad back performed uh last week when they had nothing to play for i think it's going to be i hope easy cruising to the title um and i just changed my mind i said i think and then i said i hope so i don't know where i'm at <laughs> mentally right now but I'm, I'm i think i'm confident, I'm confident. I, I think we should be able to get this i'm, I'm gonna shut up now uh adam let's talk women Let's talk the Dortmund women's team um, and get into this. And I, I apologize because I think a couple weeks ago I might have said that they won a trophy and it was the semifinal. I think I jumped the gun a little bit. But can mm. you just give us an update on uh, the women's season, how they have ended things, and what we can look forward to, and just uh, just a, a general update, I guess, on on everything. Yeah, so they, they also have one regular season match left to go. Um, but unlike uh, the, the men's team... It is, it is not a match that means anything at this point. They have already <clears throat> won promotion. They have already won one of the cup competitions they were in. So in, in the regular season, they are 23-0. and 0. <laughs> So they, they uh, have kept their um, league uh, winning streak going. 134 goals scored, five conceded. So they're doing a lot of the same things that they were doing last year. There's been a few more uh, matches that were, I mean, there's, there's even been a couple of one nils in there some some three nils in there um 
I think last time I was on, we talked about the uh, Association Cup, the Verbenz Pokal that they played against Bochum, which is a Bochum was a couple levels above them. They were actually beating Bochum 2 0, but then lost 3 2. That was the first loss they've ever had, and it was to the strongest team that they'd ever played. So it was an understandable thing. But from there, um, they were out of the Association Cup. They went back to the District Cup, the Christ Pokal, which is the cup they won last year. So they were certainly favorites to, to do that uh, to, to do that again. In the round of 16, they won 11-0. In the quarterfinal, that was where they had one of their tight matches, 1-0. Uh, that, so they just squeaked through. On the worst pitch I've ever seen, it was like a dust bowl. And... Uh, Anna Zabel now goes back by uh, Anna, Anna Haselsteiner, uh, her maiden name. She's back uh, using that. Uh, she scored the 1-0 in that. In the semifinal against Brechtin, who was actually their opponent in the final last year, they won 5-0. And then in the final against Dorstfeld, Eintracht Dorstfeld, which is Anna's old team, <clears throat> they won 7-0. They didn't leave any surprise uh, to the end here. They just uh, pummeled them in the, in the final and won. So in the Kreispokal, their goal differential was 24 to nothing. So overall, uh, for the entire season, they're 29 and 1, 168 scored, 8 conceded. They have earned direct promotion to the fifth tier now. Um, the second team also earned promotion this year. So things are just looking amazing for uh, the Dortmund women. And on a personal note, it was kind of awesome on Thursday when they won the cup final because I, I was sending some uh, congratulatory messages to some of the players. And uh, Anne Katrin Lau called me up on, on uh, a video chat and uh, had me say hi to the rest of the team. So that was, that was super cool. And uh, if Anne Katrin is listening, thank you so much for doing that. It was very nice to, to say hi to some of the players. Uh, and again, this has just been a, a, an amazing ride to see this team start from the very bottom and earn two direct promotions. Well, not the first one wasn't direct. They had a playoff they had to win and they won it, but this one was a direct promotion and they're looking forward to do it again next season. I'm glad you touched on the, uh, the FaceTime chat. That was awesome to hear when you told me the other day and I was hoping you were actually going to, uh, say it again on the show. That's, <laughs> that's awesome that they reached out and what a season. Oh my God. It's the fact that you know, last year when we were talking about these like video game scores almost and like, you know, what's it going to be like next year? You know, they're going to be a whole new competition and it's just steamrolling again. Uh, do you know off the top of your head how many goals we conceded last year? Last year? Let's see. I can check. I'm a click away. Last year, they only conceded four the entire season. Still that was in 24 matches. And two seasons. Unbelievable. And just think three, uh, well, if we count the cup competitions, three uh, came in that cup match against Bochum, which, you know, that's that's almost as many as we conceded all of last year. And those came in like a five-minute span, too. It was, a, unfortunately, it was a very heartbreaking loss. It would have been an absolute steal if they had, had gotten that game against Bochum, but it was not to be. But yeah, uh, there were like only five new players this year, and like these new players, they really came through. Um, Maria Gr- Marie Grote has, has been playing in the number 10 spot. She has scored over 30 goals this year. Um, Mandy Reinhardt has scored nearly 30 herself, just unbelievable uh, goal scoring tallies. Mia Badarf has been great in the, the midfield as well. Um, Nora Reckenbach uh, was another center back that we brought in. And, you know, all four of them have played 
huge roles this season. And I'll be curious to see like if those were signings for the next couple of years, or if they'll actually be signing more players again this year. Um, I wanted to touch on like that Boca match. Did you say that there are two divisions above? I believe it's two divisions. It might even be three. No, I think it's two. Okay. It's just, it's exciting. One, I know they lost that match, but the fact that I think they lost, like it was a really tough competition is exciting now that they're moving up again. Like we're going to see, it's just going to keep getting tougher and tougher, which is exciting because you like, I mean, it's nice that they're winning so much, but they're just blowing everyone out. So it's like, like you want to see like some competition. So it's nice that they're going to have more, um, like they got to play against Pokemon in in that cup and they're going to get more of those kind of opportunities. So I guess what are your like, expectations and like what are you looking forward to next season as we move up another division and get more opportunities in like cup competitions oh boy i am you know i i assume that i assumed that this year uh but i assume that when they move up this year they're gonna they'll probably lose a league match at some point uh it's gonna be close we we had some that were very close this time um we somehow managed to not have any draws either uh but, you know, going to be moving up yet another division. So that's going to become a possibility. And that's OK. That's going to be one of the growing pains. We'll have to you know, understand that that's something that's going to come with with moving up. And, you know, when they face when they finally face adversity like that, that'll be uh, an experience they can learn from. But I am looking for another direct promotion uh, next year. I think that they can do it. I think this squad is, is built for the long term. You know, it may it on the one hand, it would be nice if they could like skip a couple divisions and maybe play up. But, you know, that's not the way the club decided to do it. That's not the way the fans decided to do it. So, you know, this will just be, you know, some a lot more games to to get to where we want to be. But that's okay. I was just going to say, like, you, I think you've been noticing it a lot more if you follow like if you're American like us or not a, a German speaker, like the the main BVB like German account has been doing a great job of like they've always cross promoted uh, like the youth teams and even like the handball teams. But you're seeing a lot more about the women's team on their feed, which is really cool. Um, so, Adam, I just wanted you to touch on the website, which I know you mentioned earlier, like, oh, I'm a click away from finding this. So um, while, while it's great seeing like some highlights and some things sporadically on the main BVB page, uh, we always tell people like you're the source for Dortmund women's coverage, especially from the like American or English perspective. So I just wanted you to like talk about your website, everything you cover uh, and everything you handle over there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a stats guy. Um, if you're familiar with fbref.com, that's, you know, part of the day job that, uh, that I have. So I wanted to build a, a stats site on the side for the women's team because I like having facts and numbers to, to go by for the things that I follow. And that includes the women's team. So that that's, that's something I started with uh, very early on uh, in, the, in the women's team's history and just kind of kept going with it. It's, it's the place if you want to find like who has the most goals and assists on, on the team. And I track minutes and stuff like that too. So you can see the, the per 90 stats and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I, I'm, a little bit slower to update it this year just because I have more to go on. So I'm, I'm, I'm a couple matches behind right now, but uh, if you keep an eye on my Twitter feed, I usually post some updated stats when I finally catch up and, you know, not all of the games are televised. So sometimes for the uh, assist data, I go to uh, Danny Fritz. He's actually the stadium announcer for the, the women's team at home. And he, he provides me with uh, the stats that he's keeping as well. And like every week we've got the link 
uh, for Adam's website, his Twitter and everything. If you want to follow him and, and follow his website, the link in the description of this episode covered. Do you want to jump in? you have anything? Yeah, I did actually have a question. Uh, do you happen to know if there's any sort of speculation of uh, people trying to take some players away from us or from the women's team this summer? Or does it look like they're all here for at least another? I know you said some players were brought in that, you know, not necessarily might be here for the long haul, but do we know short term? Is it going to be a squad going in the next season? Yeah, I've, I've heard um, nothing about that. Uh, towards the end of last year, I was a little concerned that uh, some clubs in like the not very highest tier, but in the higher tiers might be interested in Hannah Guzman, who was like 17, 18 years old during the season and was our leading scorer last year. Um, unfortunately, she has struggled with injuries this year and hasn't really, she never really got started this year. She scored, I think, once for the team and a few times for the second team while she was working her way back. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be coming in to grab any of our other like frontline players because they purposely made the decision to come here when they had other opportunities available to them. Like, uh, you know, Marie Grota, I believe has played in the second division. Uh, Mandy Reinhardt, I believe has as well. So these are players that they're, they're all in on this project and want to see it through. So these are our Dortmund women. They want to see Borussia Dortmund reach the top and they want to be there with it. So I, it would take something huge to, to draw some of these players away. That's awesome to hear. And I know uh, Adam has touched on this uh, when we had him on our show uh, a while back, but it's not only just, you know, a lot of these players are here for the long haul, but they're also investing themselves so much into trying a lot of new things on the squad. Adam talked about for, you know, a lot of these players playing in so many different positions and uh, not just scoring goals, but also, I mean, a lot of these players like Rota, you can keep going down the list. Reinhardt, not only do they have 20 plus goals, but they have double digits and assists as well. So a lot of goal mm-hmm. contributions to be spread out throughout the whole team. So again, very cool that, you know, you're seeing the camaraderie and the collectiveness and uh, the the investment overall from each and every one of these players on the team. Yeah, definitely some versatile players like <laughs> Louisa Bergman, who was our, our number six last year. She actually like filled in as goalkeeper one match when our goalkeepers were not yeah. able to make that. That might've been a game when there was a lot of, uh, covid uh, infections or something then this year she's been playing a lot of center back too and and you know when she's doing it she's got the armband too and it's she's just awesome like she's a part of like the 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 e-football program too and she's just so cool and very you know public on on social media and stuff you get to know the players they're super friendly they're they, they love this whole project and I, I've loved uh, following it uh, as well and, and kind of getting to know uh, what it's, what it takes to, to take a club from, you know, seventh division to the top here and, and, you know, what it means to start something like that within a club like Borussia Dortmund. It's, it's so cool. It's, I mean, it's such a like historic thing too. Like, and you mentioned how, I mean, you, you kind of hit on the club's decision, but it, I mean, if you're new, if you didn't know, Dorman had a women's team. Uh, if you're just trying to learn more about it, one Adam is your guy. Uh, but like they made the decision of starting at the bottom and working their way up, not not buying the rights to another club and just branding it Borussia Dortmund and taking over. Like they're they're grinding and they're going through the 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 process and making the project out of it. And it's just really cool to see 
in like such a historic thing and eventually we'll we'll be seeing them in the first division and who knows where from there women's champions league that kind of stuff it's, it's just so cool to see uh it from the ground level um so if you're not already i would get involved in if you can't watch every game like i get it there's a lot of football to watch every single weekend but keep up with them check out what they're doing especially now uh, as they're still kind of in this this early stage but moving up moving up quick yeah i mean if you just want bite-sized content i the games that are broadcast i do link to the highlight clips uh that you can just kind of watch the goals and uh some of the saves there aren't many saves to be completely honest on either side um you know, everybody's, uh, well, Dorman's clinical and the other teams just aren't getting many shots off. But uh, yeah, uh, so it's all there if you want to see some video clips or see when the next match is and what the live stream is. The last game of the season will be live streamed. Uh, that's on June 4th against Bork. So uh, you could always check that one out. And uh, then they'll be done for the summer again. We'll see, you know, if they're going to be, you know, building the squad some more. Um, they're going to be starting U17 uh, the, in the summer as well. Uh, that's that, So that's new. Like each year they're adding a new team. So now they've got the first team, the second team, and now the U17 team as well. Uh, yeah, it's exciting times. And, you know, years from now, we're going to see them in the first division. And this, this squad will always be historic. Like this yeah. will always be the first uh, Dorman Women's Club uh, squad. And uh, I think that that's something that these players are going to cherish for their entire lives. Yeah, that's super cool. And uh, I, this is the first time I heard they're adding a U17 team. So that's incredible, too, that they're not only like building or creating the, the professional team, but now they're going to start investing in the youth, too, to keep keep it going and produce this pipeline, like which is what we see from. I mean, it makes sense because it's Dortmund and that's what they, they do. Um, so it's really cool. Again, get involved now. Check them out. And I like that they're playing in two weeks. So we got Dortmund men's this right. We're gonna wrap up, wrap up that season. Then we still got one more uh, game to go with the women. We always, uh, I might have been slacking the last couple, last few episodes or weeks, but I, I try to put the the women's match in the description, like all the details and Adam's link to watch it too. So I'll make sure to put that in this episode so you can watch that in a couple weeks. Uh, again, Adam is linked on everything. Really appreciate you guys hanging out and listening uh, week after week. Adam, so good to always have you uh, join us, not only to talk Thank you, women, always, but the men's team too. And Yeah, it's, it's always great having you. We appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for having me. And also thanks for the support of the women's team as well. I love any opportunity I get to share information about them. And you're both always so welcoming and, and ready to share it out. So I, I truly appreciate that. And that's it. I don't know what else to say. I feel like I should need to say something big and triumphant, but we'll talk to you guys next week. Carver might have something. I was just going to say, Jake, Adam, everyone else that is listening, enjoy this weekend and win or lose next week. We will see you on the other side. Oh, there was something I needed to say. Carver, that was great. I appreciate it. Uh, if you are one of our friends in St. Louis, uh, make sure you join Brucey STL at Amsterdam Tavern. I know Brooklyn Brucen will be meeting up at banter uh, as they always do and i will link those in the description of this episode too if you're in either the new york area st louis area i know we have listeners literally everywhere so uh, i know there's guys in kansas city um atlanta charlotte uh so if, if just shout out to those guys and if they have a a watch party reach out to us so that we can promote it on our page there's also 
Um, we yeah. have a link in the description of this to help you find a local supporters group if you want to go. Like, this is it. If you've been watching Dortmund by yourself at home week after week, this is do it. Go watch with some people at a bar, at a pub, and enjoy. Enjoy the weekend, like Harper said. And we'll, we'll be back next week. Godspeed, everyone. Stay safe.